Hello and welcome to the scan. We are excited to bring you this episode, which is part of the George Institute for Global Health series. In 2014, Kamal Nayak started engaging with communities in Hyderabad slums to talk about sustainable menstrual practices. He is the founder of Good Universe, a non-profit established 6 years ago. Good Universe works at the intersection of climate change, health and gender. Kamal says that he is accustomed to resistance every time his team begins working in the community as menstruation is a taboo subject and it's particularly difficult for people to digest the information coming from a man. Every single time, you know, every single time we do a you know program, we get certain some kind of uh, resistance from the community even from women also. We started working in back in 2014 in a slum. the idea was never to include men because we also understood that it is only for women but we started including men uh, out of our fear because when you started talking to women about sexual reproductive health or menstrual hygiene the major concern of the community men was what you were talking about our women why only women are uh, involved and we may not allow you to the community and that they literally threaten us you know, saying that next time you should not come come to our community If you think that this happens only in slum communities or rural communities you are mistaken as this other anecdote from Kamal will show Just another anecdote we were in a very prestigious college in Vizag talking about menstrual hygiene program in a co-ed college and after the 6 7 minute of the program uh, they asked us to stop the program and uh, uh, come out from the session because we started talking about sexual reproductive health in a co-ed education we are doing a two part series on menstrual hygiene management which is vital to the promotion of women's health there is now an increasing concern about menstrual hygiene practices with respect to environmental sustainability but before we discuss environmentally sustainable menstrual practices we need to understand how people receive information about menstruation and menstrual practices and how the community can be engaged in spreading more awareness about sustainable menstrual hygiene practices Hi I'm Meenaka Rao and in this episode of the scan we discuss the challenges related to stigma around menstrual hygiene practices and how to raise awareness in the community about safe and sustainable menstrual hygiene practices Dr JK Lakshmi a senior research fellow with the George Institute recently anchored a discussion on sustainable menstrual hygiene practices with experts the panel included kamal who we heard from earlier dr arundhati murlidharan a public health professional engaged in research and policy advocacy in the area of menstrual health also participating in the discussion were archana sarli an it professional and amruta suresh an author who has written a book on menstrual cups Lakshmi says that communities their beliefs and their behaviors have to be taken into consideration while engaging with them about menstrual hygiene and management in order to move communities towards sustainable menstrual hygiene management you need to take very much into account their beliefs and their behaviors that is to say the pre-existing beliefs and behaviors and the culture and it is in this background that you are going to make your efforts to provide information and to motivate them towards sustainability so you will end up trying to change those beliefs and those behaviors supported by provision and so on 
And uh, as Kamal spoke about how in uh, the programs that uh, his organization does, he finds the need to begin with discussing the body and the biology of menstruation and then discussing the range of products that are available. When I say available, I don't mean just in shops, but available to be made by people themselves uh, so that there's not just one product or two products that you could use for menstrual hygiene. There are many things that you can use depending on your conditions and your needs. So more than one product for even the same individual, let alone for different individuals. And also, I mean, how you're raising awareness first, because that's the prerequisite to any motivation, any change that you can bring about and raising awareness of personal health in addition to what is happening in the environment. Archana is an IT professional who participated in this discussion. She says that when she was growing up, talking about menstruation was not encouraged. Many years ago when I think it's cycles had started that time people were more, you know, closed about talking about this. So in the in that age group, even with my friends in school who are 14, 15 years mm-hmm. old, we were like, oh no, this is like, you know, we can't talk about this kind of subject. There's <laughs> a taboo. Or most of the Indian parents also, as in the discussion we have seen, are more conservative or, you know, don't prefer to talk in front of, you know, or even we couldn't ask our father to go and get The George Institute conducted a study related to menstrual hygiene among girls and women. Lakshmi is a senior research fellow from George Institute. She talks about the study. The study is called Penmen Pilot, which is short for Perspectives, Practices and Environmental Footprints Related to Menstrual Hygiene Among Girls and Women in India. This was a pilot study that we conducted in and around Hyderabad. We talked to 124 girls and women in the menstruating phase of their lives in urban, peri-urban, rural and tribal areas in and around Hyderabad. And we conducted uh, four interviews with uh, experts on uh, menstrual hygiene management and environmental health. Lakshmi says that the social environment is one of the biggest influences in people's decision-making on menstrual hygiene management. The biggest influence on people's decisions, choices, Uh, their interest and their ability to find out about menstrual hygiene management, the products available, the ways that you can use these products and uh, treat these products post-use or dispose of them post-use. The biggest influence on all this is the social environment. One of the big findings from the study is that there is this cloud of embarrassment that's constant over menstrual hygiene management. And I say this because whatever else we found is really nurtured by that cloud of embarrassment. This embarrassment, this cloud, contributes to low awareness, low information seeking, and the transmission of misinformation too. Uh, And then uh, what we found is that practically the only flow of information, the most reliable source of information for most people, I'm not talking about researchers and civil society organizations which are studying this subject in an academic manner, but for most of our participants, the big source of information on menstrual hygiene management, on menstruation itself, was advertisements made by people who are manufacturing sanitary pads and trying to sell them. And so when people say things like, when I began menstruating, I used to use something. I used it because there was no awareness. And they mean that there was no awareness that what I was using was really not very good. And then they say, and then when my awareness was raised, I began using these commercial sanitary pads. And so the question is, where did you get that awareness from? It's from the advertisements. So people would say things like, my mother was not very aware. Then she became aware. But where did she become aware from? It's from the person who's manufacturing the pad, who's telling you, here is a pad, 
and this is the way to go everything else that you've been using and that your mother and your grandmother and others like them have been using maybe they had their constraints in which they used those things but we've got to wake up and banish those extremely primitive those old fashioned ways move on now and get on with buying the product that i manufacture and so people do that and when you question people a little bit more about uh, uh, also you're getting this information from the person who's manufacturing this pad or you're getting this information from the video or the internet are these sources trustworthy and then the same people would say um, not really not exactly but still they will stick to this because they get this information and they're not perhaps they're not motivated enough to find out anything more or dig any deeper because there is this embarrassment that stops them so as i said low awareness and low information seeking to the point uh, that that we found is is really very disappointing actually it's a little more than a little disappointing it's very disappointing though some people are open to discuss on menstruation this discourse does not extend much to include young girls or men says lakshmi and we see that there is some enthusiasm to open up the discourse on menstruation to include people who who are menstruating or who will soon menstruate unfortunately this enthusiasm does not extend to include people who are not in the menstruating phase of their life uh, to it doesn't uh, extend to including young girls before they men- begin menstruating it doesn't uh, extend to including boys and men who are around women who are menstruating so there is not a universal enthusiasm to open up the discourse on menstruation it's very slight uh, and there's a lot of embarrassment and and most oddly and ironically and sadly even women who report having suffered ignorance about menstruation at first uh, and they report having uh, suffered i mean the social discomfort of being teased and not being able to express their needs and their conditions during menstruation uh, they report great inconvenience that they went through having to keep uh, their menstruation status secret and facing restrictions during menstruation even such women are uh, rather reluctant to step out of their uh, comfort zones actually these are not comfort zones these are discomfort zones so they're reluctant to step out of their discomfort zones and let this topic come to the surface and be examined and let people be aware so that's one rather dampening finding from the study there has been a move towards policy change towards increasing the awareness about safe menstrual practices this is arundhati murlidharan talking about the government of india programs of promoting menstrual hygiene health we have seen a lot of uh, you know good positive movement by uh, the government in terms of um, programmatic uh, policies that are governing um programs for menstrual health and hygiene especially for adolescent girls by the ministry of health ministry of jal shakti which was formerly known as the drinking water and sanitation ministry uh, you know department of education under the ministry of human resource development ministry of women and child development so at the national level lot of promising schemes and a lot of kind of interpretation and kind of implementation focused policies at a state level so we've seen a lot more action that's happening at the state level over the past 5 years on this issue which is great what is also interesting is the broadening of the landscape of menstrual sanitation products in india so in india what we've seen is um for the past decade we've seen a very rapid and a very interesting growth in the menstrual hygiene product landscape now sanitary pads have been a big part of whatever um the, the main product that has been on offer for many years they've been promoted as the most hygienic safest best product that any girl or woman can use but we also know that traditionally in many parts of the country urban and rural 
uh, cloth has been used in different types of cloth. Some of this cloth has been clean, safe cotton cloth. Some of it may have been old rags. We also know stories of women who have used other types of materials, say hay, ash, and other things that may be considered unsafe or unsafe for their health. What we've seen in the past 10 years is actually a growth uh, in this kind of product landscape and product market. And especially starting around 2014 from the first uh, uh, menstrual hygiene day that was celebrated globally and in India. We've seen the entrance of different types of cloth bags. We've gone from just having, you know, unstitched pieces of old cloth that are folded and used to having various designs of stitched good quality products that kind of uh, meet all the requirements that girls, women and other menstruators need uh, to absorb their blood. We've also seen uh, over the past five years the entrance of menstrual cups, which is a product that has been around for, for many, many decades and was actually has been in India for about 15 years, but has really picked up in terms of its popularity and its introduction and support for its introduction in the past five years. So we've seen the entrance of these new kind of reusable products such as cloth pads and varieties of cloth pads, as well as menstrual cups. But we've also seen a fair bit of innovation in the sanitary pad market, the disposable or one-time use product market. We've also seen the growth of um, these compostable pads, those that are mostly made of kind of natural materials and have as little plastic as possible with the view that if people do want to use one-time use product, let's make them as environmentally friendly as possible. In the past few years, the Indian government has also made several moves to regulate the sanitary products industry. Lakshmi says that while they were conducting the study, they found that there were visible changes in the attitudes related to menstruation among people. There were a few sparks of optimism that we had when we were conducting the study. We found that people were reacting and just a little while ago, Archana also referred to how people are trying now to open the eyes, ears of their male relatives, male colleagues, male community members to the fact that there is such a thing as menstruation. It's a normal process, although you may find that many people around you look at it as a curse or as a nuisance, a bloody nuisance, not to put too fine a point on it. Or in some cases, people actually fall sick. But for the most part, it's a normal biological process. You can think about this. And people may need a little bit of uh, consideration as they're going through menstrual periods. They may need some products, a place to change, etc. And you can extend that little bit of consideration to, to them during that time. One of the big messages from the study that people really should have is that there is not one uh, magical menstrual hygiene product that is the answer to everything that a menstrual hygiene product needs to be. Because when you think about it, a menstrual hygiene product has many roles to fulfill. It has to, uh, it's something that you should be able to use and it has to make you comfortable. It has to be effective in actually holding or absorbing the discharge. It has to be safe. And uh, I go back to usable because I'm thinking about uh, what Amrita said, you know, about a menstrual cup being a wonderful thing, but not everyone can use a menstrual cup. You may not even be able to insert a menstrual cup uh, at some points in your uh, life. So it uh, really needs to be usable, affordable. It needs to be available. And by this, I mean, it's affordable, but it has to be available to you in a shop near your place, or you need to be able to be able to make it. So you may uh, have, have this great idea about, oh, here's this uh, marvelous brief, menstrual brief, uh, by which I mean underwear. And uh, it is absorb, uh, absorptive and it's great, no leakage and all that. But where is that brief? Where is that uh, period underwear? You can buy it. It's got to be available where you are and it needs to be convenient. Uh, whatever you use needs to be convenient. You can't, uh, you know, carry a sterilizer or an incinerator with you 
when you're traveling somewhere or lug it along to office or something like that. So it needs to be convenient and it needs to be environmentally sustainable for us to truly give it the thumbs up. So clearly not one product can do this all the time. Different products and different practices prioritize some of these criteria at different times. So there's no single product that anyone can actually recommend for all girls and all women at all times that they're menstruating. Arundhati points out that there has been a significant increase in the girls and women using sanitary napkins. Way back in 2011-2012, you know, India was said that only 12% of girls and women are using hygienic products, mainly sanitary pads. And now as of NFHS 4 data in 2015-2016 and the NFHS 5 data that we have for 2022 states is indicating that there has been a quite an increase. If we take the case of Bihar, Bihar had, I think, less than a quarter of girls and women who were using pads in, in rural areas. And now it has shown a very, very significant increase uh, in a five-year period. Um, so we know that the market is expanding. But while we are talking about increasing access to sanitary products, we need to make sure that there is no focus on a single product. The government program focuses on distribution of sanitary napkins among girls and women. Arundhati says that activists working on menstrual hygiene should be cautious about the government focus on particular sanitary products. We also just need to make sure that the the focus of many of these schemes um, tends to be a little product focused. That can we have free distribution of uh, pads to school going girls, you know, or can we have uh, support for SFGs, your self-help group units to start manufacturing or local manufacturing so that products are more easily uh, available and at lower cost. Now, these are all, this is a good thought, but we have to be careful about, you know, promoting a single product. The, the desire and the goal that we want to achieve is admirable. We want to make sure that girls have access to a safe, hygienic product that will allow them to um, do all the things that we want young girls to do. We want them to go to school and complete education. We want them to be healthy. We want to secure their well-being. Girls and women have a right to choose their own menstrual product depending on what they are comfortable with. It's also important from a basic women's health perspective that the right to choose. We should not have one product shut down our throats. We should have the right to choose products based on our bodies, our bodies' needs, the context in which we live, our ability to pay, what is accessible to us. And therefore, the, the whole issue of informed choice, like what we have for contraceptives um, must exist for menstrual hygiene products. Girls and women and menstruators, other menstruators should know that they have access to sanitary pads of different types, reusable types of fabric-based or cloth pads and menstrual cups and choose what among this basket is best suited for them. So if we're able to have a few, uh, a certain percentage kind of take up alternative products because it suits their needs, then you'll also see a slight reduction in that personal uh, you know, waste that's generated. Think that's important. Lakshmi says that as activists, we need to encourage girls and women to access sources that are open and not just advertisements from manufacturers. So, what we need to do with menstrual hygiene management products and practices is that each person needs to examine the products and practices for herself and then think about or be informed by data from neutral sources and from experience. So, either your own experience or the experience of someone you know. And neutral sources, like if there's a textbook on menstruation or something like that. I'm calling a textbook a neutral source, but you know, you, you really can't guarantee that the textbook is a neutral source. After all, a human being is writing a textbook, but as neutral as possible. 
So rather than uh, taking the person who's manufacturing something and telling you that this is the most wonderful thing, if you could be informed by data from at least multiple sources, diverse sources, and your own experience, and then come up with decisions about, uh, okay, here's what I use on high flow days or low flow days, or when I'm traveling, or when I go to this spot or the uh, play this sport or something like that, that's something we need to decide. So each person should have, as Arundhati was talking about, a basket of products and practices to choose from. And they should all be made available. First of all, they should all be made known. And then they should all be made available to everyone so that these informed choices can be made. Because right now, most girls and women do not have the information or the choice. So both information and choice are really hamstrung concepts in menstrual hygiene management for many people. So that's one really important message uh, that we've got from this study. And the message for those people who have resources, who have information, and who have agency and autonomy is that they are the people who can proactively make the choice to do something that's good for themselves and good for the environment. Raising awareness about menstrual hygiene and the kind of products available will also sharpen the awareness about environmentally friendly menstrual practices. Make sure you subscribe to the scans so you don't miss any episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.